Good. As has um, been said, we're, we're finishing our Faith for Life series this morning and we're looking at Rahab. I hope I don't get things wrong because um, I kept calling her Hagar when I was at home and that would be a terrible offence to Hagar. <laughs> it's Rahab. And, um, well, let's, let's read what the scripture says first and then we'll get in, into it. Okay. Hebrews... 11.31 says this, By faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Well, we look at the Old Testament source for all of this and we go to Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 through to 24. I have abbreviated this a little bit just to save time. Joseph, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they've come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yep, the men came to me, but I did not know where they'd come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan, and as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We've heard how when the Lord, how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts sank, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Verse 14. (coughs) Our lives, for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so that the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, the oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. Verse 21, agreed, she said, let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. 
Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. The story. Joshua decides to send two men, two spies secretly to to suss out the land and especially the city of Jericho. They are one side of the Jordan, they're on the east side of the river, they have yet to cross it and Jericho lies on the west side of the river Jordan and they, they know that this is the first city that they've got to take if they're going to conquer the land. So he sends out the spies. Notice he does it secretly. He's not going to make the same mistake that they did before. They sent 12 spies publicly and uh, 10 of them shook with fear at what they saw. So he sends two men undercover. And the two men arrive in Jericho and it's said that they go to the house of Rahab, the prostitute, and they stay in her house. So we're going to look at Rahab. This picture is part of excavations that have gone on in Jericho. Uh, the caption said, the house of Rahab. I don't believe it, <laughs> for all sorts of reasons. But it's the sort of place where Rahab would have lived. Uh, if you can just see, and on the left, there's, there's a sort of a dark space. The, the house would have been in the wall. Now, the big question is this, and it's about her character. The big question, was Rahab a prostitute or an innkeeper? Ah, you say, ah, but the Bible says she was a prostitute. It says so, doesn't it? And yet down the centuries, both Jewish readers and Christians have thought, we don't like this. The fact that God is using a prostitute and actually a very obscure use of the word that describes Rahab can mean innkeeper. And so from very early Christian days, and I mean very early, there have been those who said, oh, no, 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 no. We can't have God using a prostitute. She, she must have been an innkeeper. But what's the answer? The answer is, she was probably both. Because why did they go to a house? Well, in cities in those days, I'm told, there were houses built into the wall near the gate that acted as hostelries. And so that would have been the natural place for the men to go. And the owners of these hostelries, inns, if you like, well, they, they offered bed, breakfast, and certain other services as well. And that's the way it was. So whether Rahab actually was a prostitute, or whether she just helped prostitutes, is an accurate description of her. That was the sort of society that existed in Canaan, in Jericho, at that sort of time. There was no shame in that sort of thing. And actually, before we start to tut-tut about it in terms of our society, just the, in the past few days, 
I heard a discussion on Radio 4 with people discussing the rights and privileges of sex workers. Prostitutes. Accepted. Just like that. And that's the sort of society that these that existed in Jericho and Canaan at that time. And we're no better, folks. Not really. Anyway, they go to Rahab, and there's no suggestion that these two men did anything other than stay there to suss out the, uh, suss out the city and the land. But notice this. God can use the most unlikely people. He can use a Rahab. There are other things to say about it, but God can use the most unlikely people, which means he can use you. Isn't that good? I'm not implying that you need to be like Rahab. Not at all. (laughs) I understand what I'm saying. But she was the most unlikely person. You'd think, you would have thought God would have looked for someone that was a little bit more holy or righteous or upright and standing. No, he chose to use Rahab. And because he chose to use someone like her, it means that, thank God, he can use me and he can use you. I remember sometime doing a profile of my character and etc. And I should never have been a church leader according to that. But God had other ideas. He can use whomever he wants. And he can use us. Thank God for that. Very simple. That was her character. That's who she was. God can use any of us. And then there's her confession, not a confession of sin, but a confession of faith here. What did Rahab say? What was her faith all about? Well, she said essentially two things, really. First of all, she said to these two men, I've heard all about what your people are doing and have done. She said, I've heard what happened to the Red Sea when you escaped from Egypt. Now, remember, that's probably 40 years before this. Because they'd been in the desert all that time. So their reputation had gone ahead of them. She said, I heard about that. And more recently, I've heard what's happened to the two kings the other side of the Jordan. You've obliterated their kingdoms. And we are terrified. Put yourself into the position of the people of Jericho. They've been getting on with life. They've been there for generations. As far as they were concerned, it was their city, it was their land. And then they hear about this mass of people approaching them from the other side of the river. Is it any wonder they're afraid? I wonder what people in Ukraine felt seeing the Russian forces mass the other side of the border. I'm not paralleling the two, but just to get the sense of fear. Now we say God had given them the land, but look at it from their point of view. They were terrified. 
This is difficult stuff. But the other thing she said, and here comes her real statement of faith, I know that it's Yahweh, the Lord, capital letters, I know that it's Yahweh, your God, who has done this for you. Now I don't know whether at this point she believed that Yahweh, the Lord, was the only God, or whether she actually believed that he, Yahweh, was stronger than all other gods. I don't know where her faith was precisely. It may not have been well formed. It may have been still quite, quite young. It may not, may not have been mature, but she had a faith. And she could see that the Lord had done this. She'd heard and she'd believed. And actually, faith comes by hearing. Interesting. While I was uh, putting this into note form and, and thinking about it, I had a conversation with my friend Jonathan in uh, Romania. Now, Jonathan has stepped down from leading the church in, in Basna, where he is, and uh, he's still part of the church, he's still preaching there, but he, he stepped down from leading it to pursue the ministry that he believes God has given him, which is essentially amongst the Roma people. There are lots of Roma, for that breed gypsy people, in that area. And Roma people are despised. There is huge racism out there against them. And Jonathan, who comes from that sort of background, he's, he's getting in amongst them. But you see, they can't read. And their faith is simple. And it's not mature, not in our sense. So they rely on what they hear. And they hear that God loves them so much that Jesus died for them and that he can, will forgive their sin. And they hear it, they believe it, they accept it, and they become Jesus people. And they hear that Jesus loves them so much that he can heal them. Jonathan said, he said, just the other night, two o'clock in the morning, phone goes. Any church leaders had that, you think, oh my goodness. The phone goes, two o'clock, in the morning. Yep, I'm in great pain. I need healing, and I need healing now. Two o'clock in the morning, over the phone. So Jonathan says, I prayed. The person says, yep, it's gone. And it's stuck, healed. Over the phone in the middle of the night. Why? Because they hear and they believe. Their, their faith isn't mature. Mind you, they, they can't dot all the doctrinal I's and cross all the doctrinal T's. No. And in fact, they probably say some quite outrageous things when push comes to shove. But they hear and they believe. And he has seen demons go and bodies healed. Now, I believe that's the sort of position that Rahab was in. Her faith may have been simple, but our faith is not about size or strength. 
Jesus, can we have a lot more faith? If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, go and get into the sea. It's not your size or strength of faith that's important. It's where your faith lies. Rahab knew that Yahweh, the Lord, could do it. These Roma folk know that Jesus can do it. They believe it. And it happens. I believe our faith has often got far too complicated. Now, hear me. I'm not saying that doctrine and theology and all that's not important. I love all of that. But it's where our faith lies. And it's in Jesus who is the same yesterday, today and forever. So Rahab, having confessed her faith, however limited that was, she displays a lot of courage. And we see that courage in that she hid the two spies under the, on the roof. Now, I've always imagined up to this point <laughs> that there they were on the roof and there would be a great hump of flax over the top. And I thought, well, all the spies, all the other people had to do was to go up and see they'd be obvious. What I didn't know until I researched this, that on the roof was probably Rahab's living place. Like a room on the roof, plonked on top of it. And that was the most private place of the hostel. Nobody went up there. So she sends the spies up to her, her own private place and they aren't there on the floor, on the, on the roof, on the floor, and she covers them over with this flag. So they're well out of sight. That was brave because the king's messengers could have gone up to the roof and they could have found them. But they were well out of sight. And then she lied no, I haven't seen them. Well, I have, but they've gone. They've gone off, and you better go and chase them. She lied. Oh, this is where I think some academics are sitting in their studies, and they're not in reality, because we start getting debates. Well, if she lied, did she really have faith? If I think, my goodness, why are we worried that Rahab lied? What about those who hid, hid Jewish folks from the Nazis in the Second World War? Do you think they lied to the Germans? I bet they did. To save them. What about people who now live in North Korea, which is the most dangerous country for anyone of any religion, but it's the most dangerous country for Christians to live in in the world? Do you think they don't resort sometimes to telling untruth to preserve each other? I bet they do. We can't judge Rahab on this. She was displaying a trust in God and great courage. And so she helped them escape. And she let them down out of the window in her house, which was in the wall, and through the window, down the outer side. I tried to find a 
a picture that really illustrated this, but they were far too much like British uh, medieval castles to, to seem the right thing, so I left it. But that's what she did. She displayed great courage. And I don't know about you, but I think, oh, would I have done that? But thank God we have the Holy Spirit. We have the love of God for us. Perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. God loves you so much. He takes away the fear and he gives us courage. The Holy Spirit will strengthen us and help us in that situation. You've got to speak to your neighbour about Jesus. I'm dead scared. He will give you courage when the time is right. You've got to witness to members of your family. You've got to do things like this. And you wonder how he's going to be taken. The Holy Spirit will give you courage and will give you words at the right time. You might be up against it and Jesus says you might even be dragged before rulers and whatever. Don't worry. The Holy Spirit will give you the words when you need them. The courage that you need, the words that you come. We have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit which Rahab didn't. Fantastic. Great courage. And we can know that. And what was the consequence of her faith? The outcome was that the walls were flattened and the city was sacked. Really? Because the spies went back. I don't know how much information Joshua used from them. I don't know really. But I do know that eventually the people of Jericho faced that terrifying situation of seeing the people or the army of Israel march around the walls once every day for six days. And then on the seventh day, it happened seven times and there was a great shout and the walls collapsed. And God won the victory. And Rahab and those who were with her in the house, her family, they were saved. Because the, the spies had said, we need to know what your, which one is your house. When the army comes, they won't know. It's only us. Everybody needs to know which is your house so that we can save you. So that you can be safe. So they hang this scarlet cord out of the window, then we'll know that this house in the wall is your house in the wall. As we see this strip of red coming down outside the house. Forty plus years before that, the destroyer went over the land of Egypt and on certain houses there was red the blood of the lamb that's how Rahab was saved mimicking in a way the Passover and that's how we are saved safe because the blood has been spilled on our behalf by Jesus. And we're free because of it. Praise God. Praise God. You see, 
God honoured Rahab's faith. First, he honours our faith as we turn to Jesus in repentance and trust. And we say, Lord, I'm nothing, you're everything, I'm sinful, I'm, I'm in a mess, you're holy, you're good, you're righteous. All these fantastic words, I'm nothing compared to that. Will you save me? He does. And he has. And you go on doing it to others. Rahab's faith was honoured in that way. But Rahab saw a great victory enacted in front of her eyes because she trusted in the God who gives victory. We have seen a victory in this church. It's already been mentioned this morning. We've got a building. That's a victory. It is a victory. We never thought we'd get it. We've got it. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of work and a lot of hassle and actually still a lot of money to go. Don't be afraid. God is not going to give up on us. He's going to take us right through. Let us trust him to supply what we need so that we can do what he wants us to do. And I believe we're going to see something fantastic. The building isn't the end, it's the means. And we're going to see people come to Jesus because we're going to have that base. That's it, isn't it? And we're going to see a growing, worshipping, believing, trusting, faith-filled community. The building's going to be part of that. It isn't the solution, though. We need the fullness of God's Spirit as well to do that. Building is one thing, but let's not trust buildings. Let's trust the God who's given us the building. I believe he'll honour the faith of his people here. Nearly done. But there was a change in Rahab as well. Do you know, soon after, after the fall of Jericho, what happened to Rahab after that? Well, she became a citizen of the people of Israel. That was quite usual. I mean, they were 12 tribes plus lots of hangers-on. So there's nothing wrong in that. She became a part of the people of God. That's what happens to us when God saves us. We become part of the people of God. Fantastic. I'm part of you, you're part of me. Sorry about that. But we're, (laughs) we're all together in it. But look at this. She went and married a guy called Salmon. And do you know, you trace the line from Rahab and Selm, it comes all the way down to King David. And would you know, all the way down to Jesus. My word, Rahab is an ancestor of Jesus. A prostitute is the ancestor of Jesus. And, well. God isn't picky, is he? Isn't that, isn't that good? He can, use, he can use Rahab. He had a destiny for her that went way beyond her personal salvation. Way beyond victory in Jericho. He had a destiny for her that she would become an ancestor of the Messiah. Wow. 
And I believe that God's purpose is for you and me and God's purpose for, purposes for us. Probably, no, do surpass anything we can think of. God, keep our vision wide and then do more. What has God planned for Life Church Beckles? What has God planned for you in the future? You say, I haven't got too much future. Yes, don't believe it. God still has a plan and a purpose wherever our stage in life. He ain't finished with us yet, folks. Neither individually or together. God has got the best to come. Hear that. God has got the best to come. And then there's going to be eternity and somehow that's going to be even better. (laughs) Praise God. Rahab, God can use anybody he chooses. An unlikely choice, but he can use me and he can use you. Thank God. She heard, she believed. God, I want to grow in my understanding and commitment, but I also want to keep my faith simple so that when, I, when you say it, I believe it, and it happens. She acted in faith, and as James says in his letter, that proves that her faith was real. She and her family were saved, but larger purposes were fulfilled because God had a destiny for her. And God has a destiny for us. I believe it. It's going to happen. God bless. Father, thank you that your purposes far outstrip what we often think and imagine. You can do far more than we imagine, actually. That's what you say. And Lord, I pray that in this place, you will not only prosper us, but let your name be glorified in all the good things that you're going to do in the future. Lord, we trust you. We want to reach out to you this morning. Thank you for what you've said to us individually. Now, Lord, together we want to reach out to you and say, have your way in this place and take your purposes forward for your praise and for your glory. Amen. Amen.